Hey friends, thank you for tuning in to the Ridgedale Students Podcast, a ministry to students, parents, and the community of Ridgedale Baptist Church located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our aim is to help students encounter Christ and be equipped as disciples to be sent out to engage the nations. If you listen and find this to be a helpful resource, we'd love for you to consider leaving a rating or review. We hope you're blessed by this episode as you walk the way of Jesus alongside us. Enjoy. You, we all know, like you guys are in school. You, you take regular tests. Like most of you have gone through in this week, probably at least one or two tests, possibly. I may be wrong, maybe. So we all know that there's a difference in how we prepare for tests. Like, I'll just be fr- like straight up with you guys for real for a second. I was a terrible student. And until, like really until I started doing my master's work in like seminary, I, I was a terrible student. Throughout my college years, I did not like to study and I would avoid it at all costs. Like, I, I was not the guy who spent like countless hours at the library. I was the guy who like at three o'clock in the morning realized that he had the test popped open his book and read all of the required reading and then walked in and said a Hail Mary and hoped that God showed up. And like that was how I took tests. And so there's a difference in the way that we prepare for a test. Like there's studying and then there's my method of like reading the book and praying for God to do a miracle. And so like we know that the difference in studying and the difference in just reading and praying that God does a miracle is the end goal or the the I guess the way that that will be received. So when we study for something, what we're doing is we're not merely just trying to meet the standard that's been put before us. When we study something, we study it with a desire that it becomes a part of us, that it becomes ingrained in who we are. Well, we take intentional time to study things. Well, we, we commit them to memory. Well, we try and have those things be things that we retain years down the road. Like, that's what happens when we study something deeply. Like, there are still things that, that I remember that I actually studied for my first semester of seminary that, like, you guys will never realize it, but that I probably do in every single message that you hear me preach because it was so impactful because of the amount of study that I put into that time. Then there's the adverse of that. There's, I'm just going to do the required reading and then show up and take the test and hope for the best. And the difference in that is that when we just do the required reading, when we do what the standard that's been set before us is, we're only doing it to meet that standard. There's not a desire within us to make this a part of who we are. It's just I don't want to miss the mark of what's been put before me. And so I'm going to do this minimum in order that the requirement will be met for me personally. It's not about making something a part of my life. It's about just meeting the standard that's been set before us. And so I can tell you from personal experience that when we go through seasons of studying Scripture deeply, when we go through seasons of not studying Scripture deeply, there is a huge difference in the way that the things that we read and study are applied to our lives. There is a major difference for the follower of Jesus who is plugged into the Word versus the follower of Jesus who is plugged out from the Word. There is a major difference in those two people because the Word is meant to be the thing that gives life to all believers. It is God speaking to His people through the written record inspired by the Holy Spirit through Scripture. The scripture is not just a book. This is not 
a book. Like I was at a conference one time and a guy got up and he began his sermon by standing up in front of the room and saying, this is only a book. And some people got real triggered real quick. Like, you know, you don't mess with some people's Bible. And I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like, no, this is not just a book. This is the place that God meets his people to speak to us. This is the place where God's word resides, and it's not a written word alone. It is a spoken word that speaks to the spiritual nature of every follower of Jesus Christ. Every non-follower. The Spirit stirs within people who are not followers of Jesus to hear the word taught. Like if we, if we don't, I forget where it is in Romans, I think, but if we don't go and say the word, nobody comes to the, the knowledge of who Christ is. Like the word is the instrument by which God calls people to himself and it is the instrument by which God's people are stirred in their affections for God himself. And so here's our outline. We're doing the same thing that we did last week. We're just looking at two individual aspects of why we do this. I think this is a great way to systematically approach how we do spiritual disciplines. And so we ask two questions. One, why do we need it? Why is it important for us to have Scripture be a part of our lives? And then secondly, how do we do it? There's a right and a wrong way to study Scripture. There is a, a right and a wrong way to be disciplined in our approach to Scripture. And so we're going to tackle those two questions here in this message. And then lastly, my main teaching point is this. And I think this is so critical and it was so, like, it just kind of came to me in a moment. But I think... The main teaching point behind the discipline of studying Scripture is, one, God meets us and He molds us in Scripture. God meets us and He molds us in Scripture. We encounter God in the pages of Scripture, and through that encounter and through the process of returning back to that Scripture, He takes away parts of us and replaces those parts of us with parts of Him. John 3.30 John the Baptist, people go to him and say, Jesus is taking all of your followers. What are we going to do about this, John? And John's response is perfect. John looks at his followers in the face and he says, I must decrease and he must increase. That is the goal of every follower of Jesus. That by the end of our life, there is a tiny little speck of sand of us left and a mountain of God. That is the goal for every single one of us as a believer, and so let's jump into it, because I'm like already rolling on this, and we're like 10 minutes in. So before we get into this, let's pray together that God would speak to us through the text. Lord, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the men who penned it and the spirit who inspired it. God, we just pray that as we get into this time tonight, God, that you would just speak to us again through your word. Help us to see uh, our need for scripture as a spiritual discipline and help us to understand the way in which we do that rightly. And so God, we just pray that you would meet us in the text. God, meet us by your spirit in this place tonight. And it's all this we ask in your son's name. Amen. So why do we need scripture as a spiritual discipline? So here's a common cliche that I hear people say a lot, and that's like older believers, younger believers, kids, adults, students, whoever. There will be people who come, and they're in like the middle of a counseling session, and they say, man, I just really want God to speak to me. Like, I really want to hear from God. I really want a new message from God about what I'm supposed to do here, about what my life's direction is going to be. And the first question I always like to ask in those moments is, what are you reading? 
What are you studying right now? What passage have you gone to? And usually, not always, but usually, the response back is, well, I've just been kind of like busy lately, and like he just, like, I just really want him to meet me in my busyness. And it becomes like really flowery and cliche and kind of like God just needs to give me like a magical fortune cookie. That's not how God works. God speaks to his people through his word. God speaks to his people through his word. Rather than asking and asking and asking, God, give me a new word, why don't we look harder into the word he's already given to us so that he can speak to us there? Why is that not our default? It's called God's word, and we're asking for a new word when the old word has been sustaining life since the very beginning of time. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we see that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for us as believers in growing in righteousness and becoming less of ourselves and becoming more like Jesus. Scripture can do a mighty work in our lives if we would just seek God out in that Scripture. And so we have three things that we see, three reasons that we need God's Word here. First, we see that it's life-giving. Scripture is life-giving. Secondly, that it is uh, a guide. Scripture is a guide to us. And then lastly, that Scripture sanctifies us. So, Scripture is life-giving, a guide, and it sanctifies us. We've talked about this before. Sanctification is the process by which we are made to look more like Jesus. It's just a, a fancy theological word for that. And so let's look at these individually. Scripture being life-giving. And so we read in Matthew 4.4. Matthew 4.4 says this, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We get into, uh, let's see, John 15. John chapter 15, at the beginning of this, in verses 1 through 17, we see Jesus give this long description to his disciples about abiding in him. And sprinkled throughout that is the obedience of God's word and its necessity as we abide in God. And so what we come to understand through these two individual passages is that through the reading and the study of God's word, there is life that is given to us. Like we are not merely physical beings. None of us in here is merely a physical person who when they die will just go to the ground and rot. We all have a spiritual aspect to our lives that bread alone will not satisfy. That Chipotle burrito is not going to satisfy even though it really feels like it would. We are not sustained by bread alone or by our physical needs. We need spiritual nourishment as well as physical nourishment. And so we need to see that we find that nourishment in prayer as well, but also through the continual study of God's Word. There's one thing, prayer changes throughout the, the generations. Like People pray different ways. Like You look back into church history, and the liturgical prayers of the church throughout history look very different than the prayers that you might hear me pray or Alan pray. The wording sounds different. The essence of it is still the same, but the wording is different. Scripture does not change. There is no point at which Scripture has become a different thing. There's no point at which it looks different. The essence is always exactly the same because it is continuous throughout the course of history. And that is where we as followers of Jesus find our spiritual nourishment. The in God's Word is a connection to God Himself. And in that is our fullest and most satisfying life. 
when we are deeply connected to God's Word through study, through meditation, through just consistent reading and discussion of that Word, we are consistently being spiritually nourished by the Word ministering to us. Same thing we see is that Scripture is a guide. And so we go to Psalm 119, and I'm actually going to read all of Psalm 119 for us. Only one person got that. Psalm 119 is like a thousand verses, and so I'm not going to do that. But in Psalm 119, 9 and 105, it says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And we jump over to verse 105. I, I told you it was a really long one. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We've all heard that. Just a quick like diversion. There was a guy at a conference one time that literally got up at the beginning of a sermon and read all of Psalm 119, and people like freaked out. It was hilarious. So God's word is a guide to us. And so here's, here's the thing. People will say God's word is a guide to me, and they'll come to you, and they'll have this like sassy look on their face, and they'll go, oh, well, when is God going to tell me who I should marry in like John? Or like they'll come to you in their senior year of college, or at their senior year of high school and they'll go, Oh, well, where in God's word does it say where I should go to college? And they'll get like this, this high and mighty attitude about it because they believe that what we're saying when we say that God's word is a guide to us is that we're saying God's word speaks specifically to every instance of life. God's word does not speak specifically to every instance of life. While it doesn't speak specifically to every instance of life, it does speak to life's greatest need. Scripture is a guide in the sense that it speaks to our greatest need, which is relationship to God, and in that relationship, us sending back glory to Him. John Piper has this great saying that he's kind of adopted through his network called Desiring God, but it's that uh, man is most satisfied, or no, what is it? Sierra, you know it. Yep. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. I butchered that, I know. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. See, one thing that we can always be sure of when we come to Scripture is that we will be satisfied and that through our satisfaction, God will receive glory. And so when we come to Scripture and we ask a question like, well, who am I supposed to marry, God? It may not say, you know what, bud? Marry Susie. She's a real keeper. It's not going to say that. But what Scripture will do is it'll point you to a passage like Proverbs 31, and it will say, hey, is Susie a Proverbs 31 woman? Is Susie going to be the person who edifies you and sharpens you and makes you less of yourself and more like me? Scripture will do that for us. When we ask the question, well, where should I go to college? And we go to Scripture like that, and we're looking through lamentations trying to figure out where to go to college. We're not going to find the answer to that there. But we will find that our deep need is for community that points us to Jesus, that points us away from ourselves, and then it's up to us to do our due diligence in figuring out which college that is. Do I want to go to party you or do I want to go to a place that has great campus ministries and solid local churches around it? Do I want to go to the place where I maximize my temptation and minimize my spirituality? Or do I want to go to the place that's going to point me to Jesus and give me a good education in the process? Scripture helps us break those things down and make those decisions on our own without pointing it to us and giving it to us on a silver platter. 
See, what we have to understand is that God's word is a guide in the sense that God's word guides us always first to his glory and to our satisfaction in that glory. That's the way that God's word guides us on a consistent basis. Lastly, the thing that I love the most is that God's word sanctifies us. I I love the word sanctification. Like, I love, I just love saying it. It's, It's a cool word. We read in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, though, that it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture does a work in us whereby it takes the parts of ourself that are in contrast to Scripture, it shines a light on those things, it points them out to us, it makes it to where we can't look away from them, and then it leaves us by the Holy Spirit to wrestle with those things in order to come out with the verdict of whether or not we want to be more like Jesus or more like ourselves. Scripture will reveal those things to us, and as it does that, as we work with the Spirit in those moments, it makes us less of ourselves and more like Jesus. I can't say it enough. The goal for this ministry, the goal for you as individual believers, is that you leave this ministry and go on to wherever you are looking less like yourself than when you came in and more like Jesus than when you came in. That is my goal, that is Sierra's goal, that is our entire leadership team's goal, is that you guys would look less like yourselves and more like Jesus. See, Scripture reveals our sinfulness. It points us to righteousness. It empties us of ourselves and it refills us with more of Christ. It is the primary and most necessary text in our sanctification outside of the Holy Spirit. See, a Christian that doesn't love God's Word is one of three things. A Christian that doesn't love God's Word is one of three things. Dead, dying, or delusional. If you have no love for God's word, but you want to claim to be a member of God's kingdom, you are either a dead, dying, or delusional person. And that's just the facts. God looks at us in scripture and he says, if you do not love my word and if you do not obey my word, then I have no part with you. We have to be devoted to scripture. Guys, if we're looking for a word from God in 2020, then maybe we should start looking deeper into the word rather than asking and asking and asking, God, give me this magical sign. We have to go to the place that God speaks, and in that place we hear from him. So how do we do scripture as a spiritual discipline? How does this work? So the first thing I'll say, and I started with this last week as we were talking about prayer, but all spiritual disciplines have to be intentional. If you're not going to be intentional about spiritual disciplines, then you're not going to be disciplined. And if you're not disciplined, then nothing is going to happen from you. And so let's just get that out of the way right from the gate. that We have to be intentional about any spiritual discipline that we seek to add to our repertoire in 2020. But here are three individual things that I think we see and how we partake of Scripture as a spiritual discipline. So the first is study and meditation. The second is that, I'm going to go through the list. The second is that we do it privately, but we also do it corporately. And I'm going to tie those two together, and you'll see why here in a second. And then third, that we do it actively. We do it actively, and I'll explain a little bit of what I mean by actively here in a second. But the first thing we do is we do Scripture as a spiritual discipline through study and meditation. And so we look in Joshua 1.8. 
Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, that's a really simple thing to do in speech alone, but it's a much harder thing to do in practice. And here's, here's the thing that I think people get caught up on when they approach studying Scripture. One, they either get intimidated by it and they think that they can't understand it, and so they just throw their hands up and walk away from their Bibles. Like, Scripture's a loaded gun, and I don't know how to handle it, so I'm just going to walk away from it. Or, what we'll do is we'll burn ourselves out. We'll be like that person who wants to run like a 5K, and so they go out their first day of training, and they run a 5K, and then they die. And like, that, that's how we approach Scripture a lot of times, is we'll think, oh man, I'm going to be so disciplined about this, and I'm going to be a great studier and meditator on Scripture, so I'm going to go read all of Genesis in a week. And, like, I'm going to retain it, and I'm going to apply it. And, no, you're not. Trust me, I had to do it for my first semester uh, of seminary, and it was brutal. Like, reading an entire book of the Bible, especially a book like an Old Testament, like Genesis, it was brutal. And so what we'll do a lot of times is we'll say, I have to do this in the biggest way possible. And so we take this massive bite out of Scripture, and we realize, or we get kind of caught up in life, and think to ourselves, man, I can't handle this. How am I supposed to do this? We get overwhelmed by it, and then we walk away from it altogether. Here, here's a little key that I think will free you guys up from the, the pressure of thinking that you have to approach Scripture as a spiritual discipline in this really intense way. I, I really and truly, in my many years of ministry, believe that God is more glorified in you if you just read and digest and study and meditate on 10 verses of Scripture in a morning than if you read an entire chapter and can't maintain or retain or apply any of it. God is more glorified in you in the deep study and meditation on not even 10, 5 verses of Scripture than He is if you read an entire chapter and can't, can't retain or apply any of it. When we approach Scripture, as we approach study and meditation as part of this discipline, what we have to understand is it's not about hitting this, this goal. It's about meeting God in the text, hearing from God speaking to us, and then going out in obedience to what He's called us to in that text. Like it says in Joshua 1.8, it says, So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. God has a message for you in each individual small chunk of Scripture as well as a big chunk of Scripture. And our duty is to just approach that in a way that we are able to retain and to apply in obedience the things that we've read. Don't go out of here tomorrow and say, I'm going to read all of Romans 8 and give Chris a detailed breakdown of it. That's awesome if you do it. Like, if you do that, man, kudos to you because that's a ball in chapter of Scripture. But... If you go out tomorrow and you read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, I can guarantee you that your, your mind will be blown by what is presented to you in just four verses of Romans chapter 8. If you want a starting place, come and talk to me after this, and I can give you several places that I would recommend starting if you want to just progressively study Scripture. Second thing, we've got to move quick because I... Yep, oh yeah, I'm going way over again. <laughs> Uh, so, privately and corporately, we need to approach the, the study of Scripture, 
the, the spiritual discipline of Scripture, privately and corporately. And this is in kind of the same frame as what we talked about with prayer last week, that prayer should be private as well as public. That we need to have our private, or our private study of Scripture be the thing that fuels us as we come into the corporate discussion of Scripture. Our private study of Scripture should drive us in our public discussion of Scripture. See, we read in 1 Timothy 4.13, it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. All of these actions are built around the reading, the study, and the meditation on Scripture. It was meant to be something that they did privately, but that they partook of corporately. Now, how do we do that today in our modern context? What's one way that we can study Scripture privately and then come together with people corporately and talk about Scripture? It's this wonderful word called discipleship. It's this wonderful, wonderful word called discipleship. And it's something that I cannot stress enough that all of you should take advantage of. You have a ton of leaders in this room who have a desire to not only meet with you on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, but to walk with you throughout the weeks and disciple you, to make you less like yourself and to make you more like Christ. I've got 10 studies of books of the Bible on hand that I've written on my computer right now. If you have a book of the Bible that you're particularly interested in, I had a kid in Oklahoma, first kid that I discipled out there, and I went to him and I was like, what do you want to study, bro? And he was like, Ecclesiastes. And I was like, I was thinking more like Romans, but okay. And so I wrote a study on Ecclesiastes that's on my computer right now. I'm telling you, approach a leader or approach someone in your life who you trust with the handling of God's word and say, I want to be poured into by you. I want to privately study alongside you, and then I want to come together corporately, and I want to discuss what I'm reading and what you're reading so that we can both be made to look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Guys, I cannot tell you how invaluable discipleship is. If there is anything within you that is saying, like, man, I really want to be more like Jesus in 2020, then don't like twiddle your thumbs and then go play Xbox without going to a leader or an adult or someone of influence in your life and saying, read scripture with me and let's talk about it. It doesn't even have to be called discipleship. Go to them and say, I want to read scripture with you and then I want to talk about it. You'll probably get a free meal or a cup of coffee out of it. So do with that what you will. I'm going to get off my soapbox so we can, we can land this plane. The last thing that we need to do as we approach Scripture as a spiritual discipline is we need to approach it actively. And I'll explain that here as I read these two verses. First, James 1.22. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Then we jump over to Luke 11.28. In Luke 11.28 it says, But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now there's this aspect that we talk about that that Scripture sanctifies us, that it takes out pieces of ourselves and it puts in pieces of God. But here's, here's the thing. When we come to Scripture and those things are revealed to us, there is then a responsibility on our behalf to, by the Spirit, not under your own power, say, I am going to take what's been presented to me and I am going to obey it, not ignore it. 
there are many, 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 many times where Scripture is going to shine a flashlight on something that you didn't want to see or that you didn't want anybody else to see. And in those moments, you're left with two choices. Am I going to expose this thing and make it not a part of my life? Or am I going to throw a blanket over this thing and try and hide it so that I don't have to go through the difficult and painful process of changing? We have one of two options in those moments. And so anytime that you sit down with your Bible, you had better be prepared for it to pick you up and body slam you with what it says in it. You have to be prepared for that. Yes, there will be moments where Scripture will pick you up and it will wrap you in this warm embrace and it will love you and it will make you feel like you could jump over the Empire State Building. There will be those moments as you study Scripture. And there will also be moments where it feels like Scripture pushes you out of a plane without a parachute and watches you splat on the ground. And we need both of those things. We are desperately in need with the elation of Scripture and the humility of Scripture. You can look and like, I, I know that I'm not getting the looks from the faces right now, but I'm sure there are some people in here that are thinking to yourself, man, I ain't picking up Scripture after you told me that. I don't want to be corrected about anything. I don't want to be told what I'm doing wrong. I don't want to be changed in any way. That is trying to figure out how to say this delicately. That is a mentality that will land you a first-class ticket to hell. That's my delicate way of saying that. If we believe that in Scripture there is nothing of value for us, or that Scripture will poke and prod at the things that we think are idols in our lives, and we're too prideful to get rid of those things, man, that's, that's up to you and God. I can't change a heart in that way, but we have to understand that when we approach Scripture, we have to approach it with an active mindset that we are going to listen, be receptive to, and obedient to what Scripture calls us to. We wrap up tonight's message as I've gone already five minutes over. I'll tell you about my first sermon that I ever preached. This is super embarrassing. I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story. So, I realized that I wanted to preach through the process of like me coming to salvation and over a period of about eight months, I would like read in my Bible and then I would take what I read in my Bible and I would write out these like outlines, which at the time I thought were just really cool like ways for me to process scripture. What I realized in reality afterwards were actually sermon outlines that were like just the bare bones of what I do right now in this notebook that I have before me. And so the first time I ever got the opportunity to preach, it was my dad's church. My dad's also a student pastor. Uh, at the time, we were in Florida, and now he's in Alabama. And he was like, do you want to come preach on a Wednesday night for me? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I've been waiting for this moment. And so I preached a message. I have no idea what it was about. I cannot remember for the life of me, and for some reason, it's not in any of my like sermon notebooks. However, I do remember one very specific thing about it. I used 18 passages of Scripture and 112 verses. It was seven pages of notes long, and that's seven pages of handwritten notes. And the crazy thing is, I preached for 58 minutes, and I cut out three pages of my notes on the fly. 
Like, it was so bad that there was a point where, like, I was, I was like, in my second of five points, and there were parents coming in the back, walking down the aisle, grabbing their kid, and walking out the back door because everybody else had left the church, and I'm still up there, like, and then in Leviticus 17, 57 to 40, like, People were losing their minds. And I got done with it. My dad comes down and he had recorded it. I don't know where the recording is now, but I want to find it one day. My dad comes down and he was like, he had this look on his face. I'm like, so how would I do? Like, how was it? And he was like, I give it a solid like C minus. And I was like, oh. And I was like, well, how long did I talk? I was like, that must have been like 20 minutes. I'm sorry I didn't go longer. And he goes, no, uh, you went 58 minutes. All those parents were taking their kids to go home because everybody else had left. It, like, mortified. After that, like, I, I mean, you guys think I talk long now, and this is so much dialed back. And, and so the point of telling that story, as, as funny and embarrassing for me as it is, is that the first time I preached, I knew one thing that I wanted to make a hallmark of my preaching. That was that I wanted the Word of God to be central Anytime I got into a pulpit or held a mic in my hand. I wanted it to be central to everything I said. I wanted my entire sermon to be saturated with scripture and very loose on my own opinion. I wanted it to be covered in everything. Maybe over covered with 112 verses. But I wanted it to be covered in scripture. Because I knew from just my own experience of eight months walking with Jesus that scripture makes a visible spiritual, physical difference in the lives of people who will devote themselves to the study of it. Scripture will make the biggest difference in your day-to-day life if you will devote yourself to intentional study and meditation over it. Whether that be four verses or whether that be four chapters, it doesn't matter. If we will devote ourselves to the Word, the Word will get into us and devote us to itself. See, when we are fervent in our study of Scripture, it will make a visible difference in our lives. And when we are totally lax on our study of Scripture, it will also make a visible difference in our lives. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, what picture of ourselves do we want to put out to people? Do we want to be the person who is saturated with Scripture, or do we want to be the person who is probably at best just a cultural Christian? And so where do we go from here? I want to challenge you guys with three things that I want to cover really quickly. My challenge is this. First, I want you guys to pursue disciplined study and meditation on God's Word. My handwriting was terrible on that. I want us to pursue disciplined study and meditation on God's Word. I want us to have personal discipline, have us be in the Word as just individuals, on our own time, separated from everything else, that we are devoting ourselves to the Word. But more importantly, I want us to be coming back with one another and discussing that Word. Guys, again, discipleship will be the thing that takes you from, I want to be closer to Jesus, to, man, how could I even get closer to Jesus? Discipleship will make that difference. You just have to make that time. Second thing I want us to do is I want us to be molded by Scripture. The thing about molding things, the thing about forming anything, clay, metal, whatever it may be, is that it takes a painful process for the object of that molding. 
Like that can't be comfortable for clay. The application of heat to steel is not a comfortable process for the steel. But nonetheless, it makes something beautiful out of it. I want us to dedicate ourselves as we're disciplined in our study and meditation that when things get difficult, when things get uncomfortable, that we don't push ourselves away from that discipline, but that we press ourselves into those disciplines and we say, whatever you want to do in me, God, whatever it takes to make me look more like you, I am prepared to do those things. Just make me look more like Jesus. I want us to be molded by God. And if that reveals ugly things about ourselves that we have to painfully cut off, then by goodness, ask somebody to hand you some scissors. If that means that you have to make some really hard decisions, if that means that you have to make yourself look really unpopular around a group of friends that you're comfortable with, then be uncomfortable. Jesus embraced uncomfortable situations, and he calls us to the same standard. And if you think, if you think that when people come into your small group discussion times, that's a moment for you to, to hype up yourself or to belittle someone else rather than a moment for you as a group to collectively come together and peer into God speaking to us, then man, shame on us. Like if our small group times, whether it be on Sunday or Wednesday nights, are not moments where we don't want to walk away from them, that we are just reveling in everything that God is revealing to us, then man, why are we coming here? Like, serious question time. Why do we come here? We need to pursue discipline, study, and meditation. We need to be molded by Scripture. And then finally, be a spreader of Scripture. And when you go into your schools, when you go into interactions with friends, and they say, I've had a terrible week, then man, speak Scripture over that. And speak the truth of God's Word. Speak something that's eternal rather than something that's just temporary like your opinion. Like we think that our opinion is so high and so great and it's just a wisp of air that goes out into the the wind and floats away on it. But if you come into those situations and you speak truth and you speak scripture, you speak God's word over that, that is something that is a steel rod, finite and lasting throughout eternity. That thing is not getting blown away by any gust of wind or any tide of culture, whatever it may be, that thing will stick firm. And so go out as you've studied Scripture privately, as you've come together and discussed it corporately, then man, go out and spread that to the people that you're around. But that first takes the discipline of saying, I want to devote myself to Scripture, to study, to meditation, to be molded by Scripture. That's the first step of the process. Are we ready for that as we go into a new year? Are we prepared for the disciplined study and meditation on God's Word? that God's word calls us to. Let's pray.